When the bombs began to fall in Ukraine, many looked on in horror. Alex Ray, the well-known New Hampshire restaurateur, and his friends actually did something about it. Today, we talk to the Granite Staters behind a local effort that is going national and raising millions to support the most vulnerable victims of the war in Ukraine. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Matt, it is so important that we get right to it today. We've got an amazing topic. We've got three amazing people with us. And I want to make sure that we we do the entire conversation justice by setting a nice foundation of letting our our listeners know who these folks are and what they are up to. So I'm going to get right to it. Alex Ray created the Common Man family of restaurants in 1973 and built it into an award-winning hospitality empire dedicated to doing more good, providing meals and caring for others in his 18 restaurants in and roadside service stations serves as a mere appetizer to the care he provides in his relief and humanitarian efforts. Alex has volunteered in New York City at Ground Zero, New Orleans after Katrina, Haiti and Honduras post-earthquake, and Puerto Rico after the hurricane. The common man for Ukraine mission serving orphans, children, and families is his largest volunteer mission. Susan Matheson focused on creating a better world as an environmentalist and a humanitarian. She spent 30 years at the USDA Forest Service, working as a forester in Vermont, Oregon, and New Hampshire. A passionate advocate, she serves as the president of Pemi Valley Habitat for Humanity. Steve Rand exemplifies service above self. He manages Rand's Hardware, a 110-year-old family business in Plymouth, New Hampshire. Steve served as an officer in the U.S. Army and more recently as a representative in the state legislature. He has also held several leadership roles within the local Rotary chapter, providing leadership through the community. In addition to co-founding Common Man for Ukraine, Steve operates as treasurer for its 501c3. Alex, Susan, and Steve, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. We are Glad truly, truly honored to have you with us today and forever grateful for the work that you're doing and, and so many others are contributing to through Common Man Ukraine. Um, at this point, our listeners know that Common Man Ukraine is a fundraising effort for Ukrainian refugees and those still in Ukraine in need of relief. But in your own words, what is this organization? What has it become and what impact are you seeing directly? I think the fund, when you said fundraising, Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, that might be off-putting for some folks, but I think we should explain why fundraising is so important. Yes, please. Because because it's the method by which we are able to deliver the relief. Mm. It is our medium. We don't deal in beanie babies or in clothing or material goods coming from this country being transported across the ocean in various ways, uh, going through customs and all that sort of thing, which is very time-consuming and expensive. Mm. What we do is we work with partners, Rotary partners Mm -hmm. in Poland and Ukraine, and we make a very big, uh, we make, uh, we're very confident in their ability to uh, deal with the problem, to understand the problem. Because knowing uh, from someone who's on the ground what the problem is, 
uh, overcomes a huge hurdle uh, of many kinds of organizations who are trying to help. So we don't pretend to know ourselves what mm-hmm. what the very what the very biggest problems are. Mm-hmm. We rely on the people there to do it, and they're our partners. We trust them. They're Rotarians. We're Rotarians. We have a common bond of interest in doing good and uh, serving others. Nice. And so it's a it's a solid way. So we transfer our care to them through dollars, and they do and they do the uh, they do the uh, the work um, uh, of assembling the products, storing it, and all that sort of thing. We'll talk about. Um, so I think that fundraising thing may sound like cold hard cash and it is but it is also uh an element of care and 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 service that we're going to Mm. use to for the good nice it's a certainly a mechanism to to enable that care and 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 um necessary and just to back things up a little bit because this is a phenomenal story so let let's let's set the 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 setting here uh, of it the bombs are falling in Ukraine. I mean, this is just, everyone's looking on in horror. You can't believe that this is, is happening in our, in our world right now. Uh, but there's people that looked on in horror. There are people that tried to find a way to donate and help in some way. And then there's four friends who sit around looking at this on the news in horror and go, we need to do something about this. This is not something a lot of people not only didn't say, you know, a lot of people didn't say that, but had a way to do it. So can you talk about how you went from watching this happen to saying, we're going to do something about it for people that are across an ocean? Let, how does that happen? I have two responses for that. Sure. Both of them came from the genius of Alex Ray. One was that he knew that everyone felt like we did. Everyone wanted to help, but they didn't know how. And so he took that thought one step further to solve the how. And the genius thing was, we're going to go to Ukraine. And that was the leap that made the difference, that built confidence in our campaign, when we could come back and say, we've seen the kids, we've seen the refugee centers, we know the people, we can hire this group to help us, we can rent these two warehouses, and we can deliver this kind of aid where it's needed. And so when doing that, though, (laughs) and this is one of the things that, you know, I think most people would just immediately have that first wall they run into is like, I I don't know people in Ukraine. I don't know how to get things over there. So how did you go about going, how how do we even establish links over there? How did you do that? Hi, Alex here. Um, As we, as we thought about how do we, how do we jump into this and help? And just like everybody else was doing, mm-hmm. what do we do? What do we do? Just on the sidewalk in our little town of Plymouth, and and realized that there was a way. And we, um, Steve and I, are are Rotarians, and so our little club. We asked them to donate something, and they did. I think it was five hundred dollars. And we thought, hmm, now what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> and so we thought. This whole globe has 
the same clubs on every all around the world. And the temperament of them, we hoped and we think, we've been to other rotaries and we think they're, they're people who serve the pub, you know, serve and help people. So we, uh, Steve actually was a first phone call, but uh, discovered the in Warsaw, the, the club that's for that district, which was just kind of like their state, uh, and got a hold of the head, the director, and uh, and said, would you help us? And he said, well, what, doing what? He said, would you receive the money and help us in your club to uh, receive the product and, um, I mean, receive the money, and we will give you the money to buy it right in your backyard. So so they would go to any of the countries around uh, or even in their in inside of their uh, of Ukraine and for instance the first thing was a, they needed a uh, bloodmobile because the hospitals could be going or not mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things and they needed a kind of a ambulance bloodmobile and that was a big hit for the beginning. That was 250000 for us. And they kind of build them and then wait for people to build them out. So it took a month and a half or two to get it in operation. Mm-hmm. But then we said, wow, we can actually sort of ship the money to them and imagine, uh, imagine putting the money on the table where they, it's like an injection of money in their own country buying the products in the regular stores, sleeping bags and generators and, and uh, food. And, and it was amazing because that's an economic boost. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have to send it over there, which is uh, ridiculous, you know, with right. customs and everybody's handout. The first night we got there, there were, uh, when we went over, there were 16 people at the table, of which three spoke English. They had three other languages going, which was amazing. <laughs> uh, but one of the things was we, we would like to, this is what we see working, and I sort of looked at a, a old Woolworths or Bambergers, and they would put the money in a suction thing and go upstairs mm-hmm. and like a vacuum tube. I said, we'll just put a tube under the Atlantic and we'll, <laughs> we'll blow in the end and it'll come up on his table. I thought, that's, how could it be easier? Uh, but that night one of them said something like this. Yeah, we usually get, if we get 50% or 60% of what was sent, we feel good. And, and the three of us uh, went, what? You feel good? He said, yeah, because all the way through it, from the truck to the dock to the customs to the port guys, uh, would pocket the difference at Lechmere, as they say, and uh, and it worked perfectly. Uh, the money was this took out all those middlemen. We avoided yeah. all of that. Mm. But, yeah, but and all we had to do is say, "What do you need most?" Right now, I'm curious. So, uh, this is uh, something I I, I don't want to skip over because I find this fascinating. So, as you said, you've got people in this room. These are high-ranking officials both in communities, in their rotary clubs, speaking different languages. Um, Alex, your well-known restaurateur and entrepreneur and a philanthropist here in New Hampshire, they have never heard of Alex Ray over in Ukraine. What was that reaction like to have from them to have someone from New Hampshire oh, calling I, them and going, I can answer. Oh, I we'd like to help. Oh, I have God. to answer this I question. Because, first, go ahead. Sure. So when we first called Peter... 
when Steve first called Peter, he said, oh, you know, this is who we are. This, these are our names, and we want to raise $2 million for helping Ukraine. And, of course, imagine that phone call if you're sitting in Poland and sure right, enough, like who is who are these who people, are these people? And what and do they so think they're gonna the do the first thing he did was mm. he googled alex ray and then he called us and said you guys are the real deal uh, well and we arrived three days later from that phone call to this room of 16 rotarian leaders mm-hmm. and what they did was Describe the smorgasbord of projects that they had envisioned and started. This is very early in the war. This was like April and early May. Mm. So the projects they envisioned were quite small in scale as we look back now mm-hmm. and the need that has been created. And what was the range of the needs they had at that moment? What were some of the projects First they were aid facing? kits, tourniquets, uh, finding a home for this refugee or that it it wasn't big and it wasn't long term but they were demonstrating their commitment to helping refugees in Poland and displaced people within Ukraine so you have to remember so, that in fact the when the war started people started flooding across the border into Poland so their first task was to absorbed those folks and put them up. Many of these folks had uh, taken refugees in, and many of them had done all kinds of different uh, projects to help. (laughs) So they were inundated themselves with uh, the project, and they were trying to um, just handle it. You know, three million people at one point were uh, were, came into the country of Poland uh, across that border. And that's a pretty big, you know, that's a pretty big impact on on everything going on there. In a few weeks. Mm. Yes, in a very few weeks. And, of course, we didn't come along until a little bit later. And they had started to figure out some of those things and different parts of age. You know, World Central Kitchen was there very early. And uh, Alex had worked with World Central Kitchen. And we thought at one time, well, why don't we work with World Central Kitchen? So we called them. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> and uh, we called them, and they said, "Yeah, we don't really need you. I mean, if you want to send us money, that would be good. But we have ple- mm-hmm. we have people. You know, mm-hmm. this is a this is a very mm, a civilized, a, a long time civilized place. You know, they have their systems, and they know what to, they know how to take care of themselves until the bombs started falling." Mm. So I want to go back to the room, please. Yeah. Yep. So they presented their projects, and then the very next morning, they loaded us into a van, and we toured their projects in Poland, and then we crossed the border into Ukraine, and we visited refugee centers, some with 5,000 people, some with 3,000 people, some with 30 people, some in beautiful facilities, some in decrepit old Soviet-era barracks. And what was that experience like for you? I mean, yes, you're viewing projects, but you're also seeing, I mean, you're not obviously right in the midst of the battle, but you're seeing the effects that it's having. What did you see and what impact did it have on you? Mm. Um, I I just wanted to mention one thing that happened in the beginning. There was a separation of families. Uh, Mm. The men uh, that were... um, 
60 or less, maybe 65, I forget right. exactly, mm-hmm. had to stay back and, and uh, protect their turf. And the families would, the children and some mothers would, would, uh, be, would run across either uh, of the countries around the side, primarily Poland. So, so they doubled up on food. That's the first thing we knew that they needed because all these people, it's like a bell curve almost. They emptied their cabins for, the, for 3, 000, 3 million more people over there. And what did they do? How did they keep them full? So yeah. we—that's our number one thing. I uh, think you'll hear about how many tons of food we've given. It's mm. amazing, and it's still to this day. Uh, it was twenty thousand pounds of food per trip once a week, which was around twenty thousand dollars per week. And um, we've been doing that consistently, and the rest filled in with future things you'll hear about. But. But the fathers were over there, uh, and the mothers, some of the mothers came and some stayed in. Now, that big number coming in was uh, mostly the border. Of, they wanted to be near home, mm-hmm. even though we're on the other side. They didn't know what was coming. And however, they also, um, some of them went back to the areas that were safe because they, weren't, they didn't take the whole country by yeah. storm. So it depleted a little bit, but to this day, they're still feeding, you know, double the people, and it's pretty, pretty hard. They've, they weren't shipping any food. Agriculture went to hell. Um, so really, it was food number one. And as you're touring, you know, these projects and needs and seeing the people that are impacted, what were either the stories or the images that really stayed with you that helped to drive? They've progressed to different items. The first one was winter was coming. And a lot of these places were defunct buildings, not used, you know, old buildings. And um, so it was food first and then warmth second. Mm. Um, There's some other things, but those are the two really necessary ones because Russia was cutting off propane and electricity and Mm -hmm. just playing games with them. And it was pretty painful so that's that's food is number one and number two was warmth and susan what yeah. about for you was I'll, what stood I'd out i'd like to just paint a few pictures uh our first trip we went to a soviet era barracks that was serving as a refugee center and we are just getting our feet on the ground we're not experts at this and we're talking to the displaced people and I asked one mother of three young children what could we do for her and Mm -hmm. she said of course I want to go home Mm. and I I can't help with that but what else what else can we do and she said if I just had a suitcase Mm. here her life was being carried around in three plastic bags and what she needed to move her family forward in safety in the face of this war was a suitcase. And it helped us to learn what humanitarian aid can look like, Mm -hmm. which we needed to learn. And what we have learned is while we do fund big 
programs like the food program, 750 tons of food so far, sleeping bag, more than 10,000, many generators of blood mobile. We've sponsored trauma counseling, um, both residential and retreat trauma counseling for young children. We also fund a discretionary fund to the district governor of the Rotary Club of Poland Mm -hmm. to meet those immediate critical short-term needs. An orphanage needs a washer and a dryer. A woman needs a suitcase. Those kinds of small Mm -hmm. things that we don't need to be involved in this decision. This is small, critical to this particular person right here. Another picture I'll paint is of our December trip. We made a Christmas convoy of 30 trucks to 21 orphanages with 1,300 kids. We departed our warehouses in Poland, crossed the border. We're lucky enough to have a great reputation and some facilitated relationships at the border so we can just drive across. Trucks delivering aid into Ukraine normally wait five days to get across the border. The line is four to seven miles long on any given day, but we're lit, we can just drive right up. Crossed into Ukraine, we were escorted by the police to Lviv, a mm-hmm. gorgeous old city, magnificent place. I Whenever I'm there, I, I the threat of bombing just just makes me sad. So we went to Lviv and we were blessed by the uh, Orthodox priests. We were met by the mayor of Lviv who thanked us for our efforts. And off we went. And by evening, we had approached an orphanage. Now, remember, these are both orphanages in the purest sense, but they're also safe houses where Tens of thousands of children have been placed on trains by their parents from the East and sent to unknown destinations where their children might be safe and warm and fed. And so in this particular orphanage, there was a population of uh, people from Dnipro. They'd been on the train, kids had been on the train alone for three days to be here. These orphanages are not identified. They don't have signs. They're scattered across the landscape so the Russians can't find them. That's a heartbreak when you think about that. So we drive up. There's no electricity in the area, so the orphanage is completely dark, except you can see through the three windows that blue light of a flashlight or a cell phone flashing. And that's all there is. So immediately, Alex gets to work with some kids that have come outside, young boys, and they start unloading literally tons of food into the basement of this orphanage, as well as generators so that they will have light, sleeping bags for every single kid. And myself and Lisa went upstairs and distributed Christmas presents that we brought dumb things, books in Ukraine. We had uh, solar lanterns. We had beanie babies. We had knitted items that 
generous people had just delivered to Alex's restaurants, just unannounced. Just We had to bring them. And these kids were eating in the dark. It was about 40 degrees in this old cement monastery. Their meal, Alex is a restaurateur, and so that lens is in front of him all the time. Their meal was half of a cold potato, a piece of bread, and half of banana. They ate by flashlight, and they welcomed us with giant smiles. We were strangers, Americans, in crazy clothes. We couldn't understand a word of what they said. And they sang their Ukrainian patriotic songs, and they sang us Christmas carols, and we stumbled through songs yeah, of our own. We butchered those ca- Christmas carols. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> did a marvelous job. But they didn't actually understand our bad English no. anyway, so Well, we fine. didn't understand their song either. <clears throat> no, we, that's true. We mm-hmm. both did our country's Christmas mm-hmm. songs, and it was kind of fun. Yeah. They, we settled our son to them, and they sang theirs to us. And we, we used inter- international language. We it smiled, smiled, yeah. and we yeah did Just, high fives, and we did all. You know, we made it. Uh, we made the connections. Yeah, you know, it was yeah. uh, it was a great night. This conversation and hearing about. Well, the impact that that you are having, that you are all having, that these funds are having is hard. It's inspirational, but it's hard. Um, And and I think, you know, I mean, I'm just, you know, getting chills just just hearing about this and and, and knowing that you were there and and had not only an impact, but were impacted. Um, And I don't want to minimize the, the issues there and everything that folks are going through, but I would love to hear from you as well on your trip. What are some glimmers of hope that you saw? What are things that made you smile that said, you know what, these people are, are eventually going to be okay? They have unbelievable knowledge in their bones that they will win this war. Mm. Every single Ukrainian says, when we win. I love that. Every kid when we win, Mm -hmm. when I go home. I'm not sure I'd have the courage. Yeah. The other takeaway is the lesson of how good we are or can be as humans. To watch our heroes in Poland deliver this food into Ukraine, taking their lives into their hands Mm -hmm. week after week after week for people they do not know. Young children, they will never know what happens to these kids. I just, it's a beautiful, magical thing. It starts in New Hampshire. People donate in good faith that we will protect every penny of their donation. Mm -hmm. We drop it in that tube that Alex talked about. (laughs) It ends up in Ukraine, and these heroes pick it up and Mm. make sure it gets to the kids. What a wonderful, love-affirming system Mm -hmm. and it's a miracle we feel so honored to be part of it and to see it in action is just amazing and to clarify for our listeners 
you know, you had started the story talking about your initial meeting with all these leaders and viewing the projects. But when you were talking about meeting the orphans, that was actually a separate trip after fundraising had taken place and you'd sent things over. And this is one of the first rounds of delivery that you went back to witness and be part of. How many, you've been very, um, cognizant of making sure that you go back over and stay connected. How many trips have you made over to help to see how that money is being spent? We've been there four times. We have a fifth trip planned in late April. It's really important for us to be on the ground for three reasons. One, we need to assure that a hundred cents of every dollar lands on the ground in Mm. the form of food generators, trauma counseling, Mm -hmm. sleeping bags. Number two, we couldn't do this without the relationships that we've built with the Rotary heroes in Poland and Ukraine. We wanna eat with them, we wanna laugh with them, we wanna remind them how grateful we all are. Mm. And we also wanna be sure to charge them with the responsibility to continue going forward. And the third reason that it's so important is the war's changing, the seasons are changing, where the war is intense, where these kids are landing off of these trains is changing, and we have to be super nimble with our aid. If an orphanage needs this, not that, if they need dishes, not sleeping bags, we have to make sure that we're nimble. So mm-hmm. we go over there, we talk to the orphanages, we meet the <laughs> the cooks in the kitchen, we stir the borscht <laughs> together. Oh, nice. Alex tastes it and nice. <laughs> smiles. And the he declares it good. And declares it good. <laughs> yeah. So to be nimble, to make sure we're mm. meeting the needs of the kids that we're taking care of, that's the third yeah. reason. We have some very interesting times because Part of our uh, part of our uh, ambassadorial duties mm-hmm. is to is to is to be uh, be like a pole. So that means for Alex and us and and I that we became part of the of the um, the the solar the polar bears the polar bear basically no what is it the walruses, walruses. yeah the walruses of the uh, of the po- of Poland they they all many of them um, go into cold water. In order to in, uh, in the morning, they yeah, go in swimming. In the morning, right? And we get invited. So, so this oh, is a so of, of course, of people that oh, are so, wow. So, so of course, uh, Alex. I think we might be doing something. No, no, we're going to be going at six o'clock. So up we get. It's got to be there at daybreak because that's when the beauty is and the steam is rising off the cold off the water. And there we are uh, going in. For a, for a dip uh, at, at about twenty five or thirty. So people. that's quite wow. That's, wow. That shows our commitment to uh-huh. make to to, to 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 human connection. <laughs> oh, I was going to say being re- truly part of the community. Yeah, Cultural immersion. Really. When they jump in, you jump in. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Right. The only exactly. difference is they do it every day, and I did it one day. Yeah, that's, yeah exactly. One of things. Um, I'm I'm curious about where it, it, now the the fundraising effort has been going on for for a while now. Um, you're reaching some great milestones and matching funds. Um, where, it, however, you are you know becoming aware of who is donating. I'm so curious as to how far the message of this has spread uh, outside of even New Hampshire. Um, where are some of the donations coming out from the far, farthest away? They have were? changed. Yes. Uh, because thanks to God, 
all the um, media has jumped in from from one station in 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 uh, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. one video station, and now we've been interviewed all the way down to the big stations in Boston and. Uh, and it's it's getting out there, mm-hmm. uh, and the beginning was eighty five percent of our first month or two was just New Hampshire people, but but we've gone beyond that with the help and advice of people. By the way, that's a worthy mention for a former uh, governor of New Hampshire, John Lynch. Yes, uh, he just called me about ten days into this. Uh, deciding to do this for a trial not knowing much and he called and said al i'd like to i'd like to help you on this and uh, he did and one of them was by getting a little the right people on the table the first time and we Mm -hmm. talked about it and they they passed the word mostly media they didn't do any work we were the we were the operations but we needed their uh, understanding of who to who to talk to and uh, so that that was the start of it, and it really helped us kick it in gear. Now we're here; we are a year later, and uh, we um, need to broaden our horizon. And mm-hmm. so we went with the two million was one thing. Our company initially um, started the days when Steve and I and, and uh, Lisa and Susie. Uh, just, I said, "I'm going to give a about." Uh, a, a, a million dollars and have it matched by the by anybody who chose to come in 100%. Mm-hmm. And that carried us for the first six months or so, or maybe eight months, and we, we'd keep in touch and forward what... So we were spending more money in the beginning than they were even using. But now we are playing catch up because we're going to think a little bit bigger and we that's sure. our goal now is we've p- proved the system is unique simple and successful and the need is there so if we can if we can show how how well this is working um then we can go out and solicit uh, that's why we came up with 10 million dollars and it, to me it seems hard to grasp but but so was the million being doubled, right. and it was. That's how we got the two million. And so, ten million is the next milestone. That's correct. The next goal. And it's awesome. and it's, awesome. it, we need to spread to those people that can chip in, and uh, and we've proved our our security and our efforts and success mm-hmm. over there. It's mm-hmm. just perfectly smooth. Wow. As I said, we're new to this, and one of the life lessons for us is to ask and I have to shamelessly say that it costs about $44 to feed for us to feed a child for a month in Ukraine thanks to all the great volunteers we have and so we ask people to think about how many months they'd like to feed a child our goal by April 4th 4-4 is to raise 444000 and feed 10,000 kids for a month. We generally feed about 19,000 kids on an ongoing basis. In April, we'd like to really ensure that we feed those 10,000 with a $44 contribution for a kid for a month. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we, I don't want to forget to ask this, I should say is, um, 
If someone is interested in, in giving, how can they do that? Number of ways. Yes. The oh, good. Website. <laughs> yeah, please. Commonmanforukraine.org. There's a donate button there. You can donate an increment of 44. You can pay for a pallet of food. You can pay for the equivalent of a generator. You can just give what you can. Mm. You can text the one word common man to 53555. There's a QR code on the website. You could use that. We can take donated stock. Everybody who's got appreciated stock they'd mm -hmm. like to donate, we'll take that. We can take directed funds. So we're making it as easy as we can, and uh, we hope people will reach down. We've had some great experiences with people who've said, look, I really can't give, but I belong to this ukulele band, and, and we'll host a concert. Or I play tennis, I'll host a tennis tournament. Mm. Or the Fisher Cats who stepped up and said, hey, we'll donate the stadium. You know, Do you want to host a game there? And so people have found a way to reach down and do whatever they can mm -hmm. to help us do good. That's so important, too. And yeah. the media is mostly donated, which is pretty big for some of these companies and, mm -hmm. uh, like iHeart and uh, Hearst and mm -hmm. you know they've chipped in and uh, not mentioning some of the people uh, that have done considerable uh, donations. But but um, going forward, we 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 have to somehow let them see, feel, and know that this is very painful over there for the families, and we're not at all addressing anything that has to do with the war we're just making a humanitarian effort to yes. make sure that the yes. less suffrage for the families and the people there and they also are bringing trucks into the guys inside um don't get me wrong we left them out but the family i just look at some of the pictures and memories when we went to this one uh our fridge had about 150 kids and no electricity uh and a, a girl came up and grabbed my leg. She was probably <laughs> five or six years old and just wouldn't let go. It was just both amazing, and yet I was f feeling so bad. But they would start laughing with us, and it was a real, it makes the whole thing worthwhile. I want, I want to draw a picture of one of the rooms that mm -hmm. had broken windows. It was a World War II a barrack, and there was 150 people in that um, in that house and around the top was this black stuff and I put my hand up and said what's this and it was uh, what do you call it black, black mold, mold. Oh, mold. Dear. Mm. and there were five or six people sleeping in one room of a small room so the even though it was cold out this was early in the winter probably November or something yeah and and they all had a bed it was so humid because they were in there all day, mm. five people. Mm -hmm. The floor was actually wet from human warmth, you know. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I've never seen that in my life because there's four or five people in one room just sitting there. Nope, you couldn't move, you know. There was a, two bunk beds and a thing and a broken window and black mold and... And I'll never forget that we were lucky enough to have the assistant governor something come in, and, and we said, we've got to send, can you send a team down here to tighten the windows up? He, he looks at us, and 
and says, this is... This is a war <laughs> where people are dying. If we, we, we We're can't. not worried about black mold. Yeah, mm. it's not on our panel. And I guess I thought to myself, yeah, I guess he's right. Yeah. You know? right. Mm. And that, but that, those are the memories you have of the kids that are little girl that just would not look up from the floor, sat on her bed. All the other kids were running around playing, and I just sat next to her and thought, I didn't even know what to say because language and stuff. But yeah. just sitting there for a minute, and she got a baby. I came back 20 minutes later, and she was laughing and stuff. And when we left, I counted the windows down, banged on it, and said, bye, bye-bye. And she was laughing and happy. <laughs> those are the little snippets yeah. you just remember. Yeah. Um, before we wrap, um, I want to know perhaps how all of this has changed each of you. There's a lot that you've done. There's a lot that you've experienced and seen. And, and obviously, as, as you said, Alex, most recently, is that you've never seen anything like this. How has this all changed you? Well, well we I, are, I'll go first. Okay, I, go ahead, <laughs> Alex. That's good, this is going to sound leadership. awful. I... Uh, I feel better about myself. I'm kind of wondering what life is all about. And this is put that aside as I know what life is about. Seeing kids happy and, 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 uh, and, and doing what we're doing makes me feel more worthy to the world. And, you know, I'm not here to make money. I'm here to have a good staff that likes working for us and that it, it, my thinking process is better now. It's mm-hmm. just I, I've, I'm really sort of proud of of the generosity we got and the, and the, the people driving those trucks. If you could see twenty box trucks, not trailer trucks, and not UPS vans, they were their plumbing truck or electric or milkman. <laughs> they donated them and two people in their truck and filled it to the back because it could be a 30, 50 people in one place and 300 in another. So and when they drove out, I thought, these guys are just doing this for the whole day from 5.30 in the morning till 8 at night they're on the road into Ukra- Ukraine. And, and it was just... I just I know right now I'm a different person, you know, being happier and 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 I have this awful statement that everything we do is selfish because it makes me feel good about myself and and that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, I'm ego or anything. It just makes me feel worthy mm-hmm. and I can smile more. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. As bad as it is, we're making it a little bit better. Yes, agreed. I'll say that mm-hmm. I I was a wit I was widowed early and I raised two kids by myself and I will always look back and say, Well, I, I did the best I could and I'm proud of that. But in the late sixty in my late sixties, I was able to do something that mattered to this world. That in my dying breaths will always matter that I did this thing for that 13-year-old girl in that orphanage who ate tonight. That's, that's a pretty short list of really important things I've done in my life, but this is right there.
That's a hard act to follow. <laughs> she always is, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think um, it's I. It is affirming. This whole process is affirming of people's good goodwill and their good intentions, and they're very interesting, w- different ways of being involved. And I'm really proud of our Rotarian organization and individuals inside of it who are. Um, they have all their own little normal <clears throat> everyday concerns, but when it comes to something big and something that requires organization and logistics and all that sort of thing, they can pull it together and they can make a difference at the scale that the problem demands. So uh, having an organization like Rotary, <clears throat> which is a volunteer organization made up of people who um, join together uh, to be of service to others is a huge thing and it makes me wonder why everybody's not one <laughs> but um, but it, it it helps me to um, to appreciate what I my association with that and 35 years of it actually um, makes uh makes me feel like okay this is a this is a effort that i put in that's paying off in a in a big way right now because of our ability to connect with other people uh and that connection with other people is always the thing that makes us feel the best you know we're we're uh, we're 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 connectors yeah social beings as it were nice Nice. Well, uh, Susan, the the website one more time for folks to help make an impact. Commonmanforukraine.org. Oh, could we say that again? Commonmanforukraine.org. Ooh, that was very NPR of you. That was great. Uh, Steve Rand, Susan Matheson, Alex Ray, Common Man for Ukraine, thank you so much for everything you're doing, for putting, as it were, your money where your mouth is, your time where your where your feet are, and uh, and and having a, a lasting impact on this world. Thank you so so much. Please thank help us being, do good. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks again for joining us. You're welcome, and thank you for giving us this time. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.